going back to honesty and treating people right. Uh, whether it's women or men or anybody you deal with, you just mm-hmm. got to treat people the right way, treat people the way you want to be treated. I think that's important. You know, if, if someone can't trust you, um, you know, what's the sense of doing anything with them? What's the sense of being friends with them or having a relationship with them? You know, it's a big thing. Welcome to the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast where we explore the three facets of the modern man and discuss leadership, chivalry, and style so that you can continue to bring your best to the world. Hi, I'm Jeff Hendrickson, and through impactful subjects and in interviews with men I've known and worked with in various industries over the years, you'll learn some valuable lessons about modern men and their struggles and triumphs. And for this episode, I will be interviewing Steve Greenberg. Steve is the president of Point Correa USA, a textile software company that is uh, quite phenomenal in what they can do and the customers that they serve in the textile industry. Steve was born in Brooklyn, New York, to a blue-collar family. He put himself through college, uh, first at the Parsons School of Design, He has a BFA in Advertising and Communication Design and a Certificate in Computer Graphics. He managed boys' wear design at Federated Department Stores. He has also managed training and support for Monarch Design Systems, which later became uh, Point Carré of France, which is uh, where he is the president right now. He managed that for 10 years and purchased the company in 2010, managing all USA clients for CAD software choices for product development, design and specking of prints, knits, yarn dyes, embroideries, dobby, and jacquard for the apparel, home, and automotive industries. As hobbies, he does home improvement and motorcycles. He also plays the guitar in bands here and there and is getting ready to embark on the next trip to Sturgis for Motorcycle Week there. So here we go with my friend Steve Greenberg. Enjoy. All right, Steve, thank you very much, man, for joining me tonight for uh, this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman Podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for inviting me, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome, man. I mean, you, you and I, how long ago was it now that we met? It's been at least 20 years now, right? It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. You were one of our clients. You're working. That was when I was with Garrett and Jeff Sword up at um, Oxford, I believe, right? Yeah, it was Oxford. That makes that sense. Time ago. That makes sense. And started using Point Correa. So, uh, New York City guy, you live out on Long Island, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, let's, um, we always start off with career and with occupation. And it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And, and, and what I like to know from this is um, a bit about your path, how you actually got to where you are right now. Sure. And then as we get deeper into that, what you mean to the world as far as your career is concerned and what you mean to your family. So let's start off with, with what you do, and then let's talk a little bit about how you got there. Yeah, sure thing. Well, at, at this moment, I'm the president of Point Correa USA. We develop textile software for many of the most well-known apparel and textile home furnishing companies out there. From Tommy Hilfiger to Polo, Ralph Lauren, Martha Stewart, Michael Kors, Nike, Reebok. Uh, We've been doing this for 30 years now. And it was kind of an odd way that I got into it. I actually uh, went to school, Parsons School of Design. 
got a degree in communication and advertising and a second degree in computer graphics, a minor in that. And uh, getting out of college, I just didn't want to get into advertising. Uh, it wasn't my thing. And wound up working for a small textile company on Canal Street and bounced around a little bit and wound up as a children's wear designer at Federated Department Stores. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So it, was a, it was an interesting transition, but being a graphic artist and getting into the textile world, um, I had some good mentors along the way. And uh, when Federated went into bankruptcy, I left there and was recruited by Monarch Design Systems. They were actually developing a software that ran circular knitting machines and they needed help with the user interface. And I knew some guys from there and they offered me to come on board just to uh, check it out. And uh, that little stint turned into uh, almost a 10 year stint with them until mm -hmm. uh, we merged with uh, the current company called Point Correa. Mm -hmm. And from there, we actually uh, wound up growing the whole company altogether. We grew yeah. Point Grey into, you know, a powerhouse worldwide Yeah, from there. So, yeah. yeah. And you, you travel a lot with that business, right? Or you did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Yeah. I go to Europe a lot um, when there's, you know, when things are better. Uh, we do a lot of trade shows worldwide. We do have clients everywhere. We actually have a headquarters now in France and that's where Point Grey originally started. Mm -hmm. From here in the U.S., I deal with North and South America, and then my partners overseas deal with Europe, Asia, India, and uh, Turkey and all that. So mm -hmm. Cool. Definitely. How big is the office in New York now? I, last time I came up <laughs> was a while ago, and I remember you had a couple people in the office. Have you been able to grow it, or is it? Yeah, you know what? We haven't grown people, but uh, the, so we've, we've been able to cover ourselves as far as clients go. Everything's online these days. Yeah. Uh, that's why the, it, was, it wasn't a hard transition for us when the virus hit New York that um, we were already online. We do web training. We do web support. We do most of our uh, client demos and presentations over the web. So it was really easy to transition ourselves. We spent most of our time during that period getting all our clients up and running on the web. Yeah. Uh, where they were working in their offices or couldn't get back to their office. We wound up setting up thousands of clients worldwide um, with cloud licenses. Wow. So they were able to continue working. Wow, that's cool. That is really cool. I mean, I, I mean, just the fact that you can support clients and customers like that is is huge because I would imagine there are probably a lot of kind of companies that couldn't do that, right? It were. A lot of our competitors couldn't do it, and a lot of these companies were floundering. They couldn't use their design software. They couldn't get to their offices. Mm. So uh, we wound up picking up a few clients, but it was just focused on helping our own clients. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure. That's cool. You know, you made me remember something that I had completely forgotten. You, you said that you worked for a textile company on Canal Street. I worked for a little textile jobber on, I think it was Broadway, just like a couple of blocks south of Canal Street for a while while I was in school. I had completely forgotten about that job. <laughs> Yeah, those guys start somewhere, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh my God, boy, what a trip that was! Oh, <laughs> funny, funny stuff. So you're a Parsons guy. I'm an FIT guy. So both New York City Design School guys. When did you know that? I, was was there something really big that kind of that that kind of hit you that you wanted to get into an artistic and and creative kind of career like that? 
Um, I was always into the artistic side of things. Uh, my parents encouraged it, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was blue collar auto mechanic in Brooklyn. And he says, do anything you want to do. Just don't be a mechanic. Yeah. So uh, they encouraged that. And uh, when I got out of school, I graduated high school and got into Parsons. They were very happy for me. Um, you know, as a kid, I was always doing the, you know, when I was growing up, it was painting the denim jackets and painting skateboards and yeah. did a lot of airbrush work over the years. Yeah. You know, doing all that and just honing my skills. And uh, I, you know, got into Parsons and uh, we took it from there. So is it a stretch to say that, that since you're doing the kind of work that you're doing right now, you, you, you don't, I would imagine that there's not much of a creative outlet for you there. So you do something like you say to me one day, Hey Jeff, you're not going to believe this, man. I just bought a guitar. I just started playing guitar. <laughs> well, <laughs> funny how that came about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I always wanted a guitar as a kid, but, uh, you know, my parents couldn't, never got me one. I wanted to play music and my brother played a uh, trombone. So my dad said, if you want to play something, there's a trombone in the closet um, <laughs> that your brother left there. Um, but it wasn't until years later when I was uh, probably in my thirties and I was thinking, you know what, let me just get a frigging guitar. I'm my own man, you know? So I went out, got a guitar, taught myself how to play, started doing open mics, uh, taught a couple of lessons, you know, took a couple of lessons online here and there and uh, broke out and uh, met some guys while I was playing, been through three different bands already with those guys, (laughs) played all over Long Island from biker bars to dives and everywhere. And uh, it was, it's fun. It's a fun part of my life. It's, you know, comes and goes, you know, depends on the mood. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's good. It's, uh, you never know where you're going to wind up. I try to take every opportunity I can. You only live once, you know. Man, that's, that, that is so true. But I, 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 it, it just seemed like it was a couple of months after you started playing. I think I, I bought you a book and I bought you some pics or something, right? Because you were just, you know, like I'm thinking, I'm going out and I'm getting ready to buy this stuff. And I'm thinking, how's he going to think about this? But I'm thinking, he's just such a cool dude. I just, I just want to do this for him. You know, he started playing guitar. So I went out and bought you that book and bought you some picks. And it was like two weeks later, you, you, you tell me that you're playing in a band. And I'm like, how do you go from just learning to being in a band already? It was, it was wild watching your progress. It was just so cool. That's cool. That's cool. It, it, it just happened. You know, I just yeah. went with, um, you know, anything I try to put a hundred percent into and if I enjoy it, I keep at it. So. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So, all right. So let's, let's go just a little bit deeper into occupation and, and, and we're, we're going to, you talked about biker bars, so we're going to pick up on that, but just a little bit, we'll, we'll bring that, we'll, we'll bring the bikes and the biker bar back in, in just a little while, but let's, let's talk just a little bit more about your career and I, what has your career meant to your family and how do you feel that your career kind of blossoms out into the world? What, what has, what has the way you've done your work and been that man, how, how has that affected the world around you? Um, I, I think from very early on getting into the, the software side of the business, um, I started training people to use the software back with Monarch Design Systems. And I found it very rewarding to be able to go out there and teach these people how to use a better tool, 
to make the job easier, faster, quicker return on that product. And it, and it worked really, really well. And it was very rewarding. So, you know, that really made me stick with it instead of getting back into the graphics side of it. I really wanted to stick with the software side of it. And I saw the future in that and the automation of the, the machinery, the looms of the knitting machines, embroidery machines, everything was coming around. Um, it was a precursor to digital printing, mm-hmm. which is big now. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it just worked and I just went with it. And as, as Monarch grew and then, you know, became Poincaré, uh, you know, I just climbed the ladder and worked my way up to a partner until eventually I owned the business for uh, North America. So Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So what, is, what has all this meant to your family? Who, who are you as a career and a family man together? Uh, well, I, I got two boys that 23 and 24. They're uh, the center of my life. So, you know, my career helped me put them through college, helped me raise them, helped me uh, give them a roof over their head. And uh, I think they're pretty proud of me. They're very respectful and uh, I'm very proud of them. They've grown up to be pretty cool guys and focused on their careers. One's a restaurant manager and the other guy is a marine biologist. Wow. Yeah. So that's really cool. I, I kind of, you know, set the goal high for them and they reached it. They actually surpassed it. Yeah, good. Good. Well, you know, what I know of you too, and, and, you know, you could say that, I I mean, you and I have not spent a whole lot of time together, but there is just, there's just something about a man that I pick up on pretty quickly about how solid a guy is and, you know, where his head is. And you always, you always showed me that, you know, even though we really only did some work together for a couple of years and it was here and there, there was still a way that I got to know you that, that was just, that was just true. And I got to know you as this solid dude who was super honest and, wanted the best for me, you know, at that point in time, because I was a customer or I was trying to be a customer at that point in time. And you did some really solid favors for me, you know, trying to help me do whatever it was that I was trying to do. And and that always meant a lot to me. So that was something I always appreciated about our relationship. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I learned early on in the, in the, in the business that I always wanted to treat our clients the way I wanted to be treated. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a big thing for us. I want clients to be happy. And if they're not happy, we'll figure out a way to make them happy. And it's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I agree. I agree. So now we're gonna we're gonna switch gears just a little bit and we're gonna talk about how we've how we've done things in this world. And it's been funny, I've asked a couple of other men this question and, and they kind of turn the question around because I they, they, they don't they don't agree with this, but I'm gonna ask you just the way the question is written. And then we'll see where it goes. So I'd like for you, if you would, share one of your biggest mistakes with us and, and what that meant to you or maybe what you learned from making a mistake like that. Ah, oh, boy. Uh, you know what? One of my biggest mistakes is uh, this may be a, a curveball, but not getting divorced sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. I stayed married longer than I should have. Uh, I was married to a wonderful woman and she was great raising our children. But after, after a number of years, it, it just didn't work anymore. Mm. But I kept hanging on because of the kids. And yeah. I think I should have let go a lot longer, a lot earlier in the uh, relationship. Do you think that, that, that hanging on like that affected the kids somehow? It did. It did. Yeah. And when I saw that happening is when I decided to uh, make a change. Mm. 
you know, growing up, it was good. And then they were away at college. And then it was when they were back home from college that I really saw the results of that. And yeah. I need to make a change for their, for their regard mostly. Yeah. I'd, I'd be willing to bet that they respect you for that now too. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. They're my buddies. We're good yeah. friends. We're good guys. I'm still their dad, but they come to me for anything. Yeah. I know they call me at 3 a.m. for if they need a ride or if they need, you know, whatever they need, they know I'm there. It's good to know that. And, and young men, especially at, at that age, need to know that they can rely on a dad like that. I had a dad like that. I think my, I, I think my sons understand that I'm, I'm that kind of guy for them. And I, I went through the same thing too, right, with the divorce. And there were a lot of really hard conversations that we had to have after that. But, yeah, my guys are 25 and 28 now. And we've had a couple of really, really tough uh, discussions about that kind of stuff. And, and you yeah. know, they, they've both said, Dad, everything's cool, man. We, yeah, we, we appreciate did. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's worked out really well for me. And my house has basically become a central point for all their friends that whether they have <laughs> issues or That's they great. need to crash for the night. Um, I got a buddy of theirs on my couch now for about three weeks. Wow. You know, That's cool. Moved from where he was. He needed a safe place to be and you know, my house is always open. Yeah. That's so cool. When, when friends of your sons can relate to you like that too. Yeah. See, and that just, and that, that just keeps solidifying for me, what kind of man you are. And that's why to me, you are a sage warrior and a gentleman because you, you, you do fit all those three facets and, and just, just telling something like that and sharing something like that with us. Just, just keep solidifying that for me. That's, that's awesome. So then let's go to wins. How about sharing a couple of really great wins with us and, and what those have meant for you in your life? Oh, one of the best things I ever did was uh, buy the company from my partners. Mm. So, you know, just to really make it mine and to move the business in the direction that I wanted to move it. Mm -hmm. The original owners were looking to retire and I got together with my current partners and we purchased the business and, uh, turned it around and grew it quickly. So that was a good thing. Um, something else was uh, taking up riding, motorcycles. All right, let's go, let's go in that direction. You said it, let's go. <laughs> uh, playing the bars, seeing the motorcycles. I always wanted a motorcycle, but mom wouldn't let me get one. You know, yeah. I yeah. just went out and got one. Yeah. You know, I think that was about uh, almost uh, 18 years ago. Wow. I didn't have a sense. How many have you been through in those 18 years? Uh, I'm on my third. Third one. But believe it or not, I usually put about 40,000 miles on a bike. Wow. Before I sell it. But yeah. uh, now I'm riding a Harley Road King special, 2017. Yeah. Road bike, I'm, I'm gearing up now to go to Sturgis. Yeah. That's going to be a good time. I got 18 guys going. Wow. Big group. I guess. I was there five years ago, and uh, I rode there. Uh, started in New York. I, because August is really slow in the textile business, a lot of the mills are closed, the offices overseas closed down. Mm -hmm. So I usually take the first two weeks of August and just go on the road. Mm -hmm. So about five years ago, I said, you know what? I was talking to uh, these guys, Gas Monkey Garage down in Texas. How how'd you get connected with those guys? Oh, it's funny how one of the guys I ride with happened to have a conversation online with Christy, the, uh, the receptionist there. Uh -huh. And she just said, if you guys come through town, let us know. 
And we were like, okay, there you go. There's our destination. So we left New York one night and no plan, no hotel, nothing. Just hit the road, wound up, made it to Tennessee that night. Uh, went to Memphis, visited Elvis Presley's house, uh, Beale Street, you know, all the things you're supposed to do. And meandered our way to Dallas. Showed up at Gas Monkey Garage's doorstep, but they were filming the TV show. So uh, <laughs> we couldn't get in. <laughs> we were going to leave. And actually what happened is uh, one of the guys comes walking out and uh, he's like, what are you guys doing here? He sees three guys, filthy dirty from riding for days yeah. with New York license plates on their Harleys. And he's like, what are you doing here? Who are you looking for? And we told him our story. So he goes, you idiots rode from New York to meet these idiots? I'm like, yeah. He's like, get inside. They opened up the door. They stopped filming the TV show. Wow. Um, Aaron came over, Richard Sister. They were all hanging out with us for about a half an hour. Oh, hanging, my God. Talking. Yeah, it was good. It was a good deal. And uh, it was great. It was a good experience. And then uh, from there, we left and uh, rode up through uh, the States, stopped for barbecue, you know, and um, made it to uh, Sturgis. And wow. And there. Rode everything we could. We were on the road for two weeks. Man. Until we finally made it back to New York. That's awesome. Busted and but damn, what an experience. Yeah, no my, kidding. My, my favorite part about riding, this isn't the first time I just got on the bike and rode. My my favorite part about riding is meeting the people that are out there because mm -hmm. they're just incredible. You you meet these people in the middle of nowhere that are just living life and they're happy. They have nothing much like we have here. They're not materialistic. They're not worried about what's going to happen next month. They're mm -hmm. looking at what's on the dinner table tonight and what they're going to do tomorrow. And they are happy. They're, they're just good people. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to meet people like that who aren't stressed out and overworked and worried about the future too much, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's just a good thing. Yeah. So. My buddy, um, I interviewed a guy named Steve Weiss a little while back, and he had started doing long road trips as well too. He was, he was a sailor for a long time. I think he probably still does that. I mean, I mean, like, I mean, like sailing, uh, like you know, helping helping a guy move a boat from this place to that place. And it's you know, you take a look at how much space is in between there and how much water is in between there, and lately, like, wow. Okay. And then he started doing the motorcycle thing and he's been doing the same thing you're doing. He'll just, he'll take off for like four or five days a week and he'll just take a road trip somewhere. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's just that the freedom, I can live on my bike. So yeah. I'll pack three days worth of clothes in the bags and just go. And just uh, go. You know, one morning I left here, my brother lives up in uh, Rhinebeck. I rode up there. So him, I rode up to Albany. I saw my kid. I, I just kept going. I wound up in Maine somewhere at that time. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, we, we live in a beautiful country. We and do. a lot of people don't see it. They don't ever leave where they are. Right. And just to get out on the road. When I came back from that trip, my kids were just getting, my oldest son was just getting out of high school. And he was going to college and he had some time in between. And I said, just do me a favor. Take your car, grab a buddy and just go somewhere. Pick a mm -hmm. destination. Um, go to St. Louis, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's your destination. Just go and just see what's out there. And then from there, go somewhere else. Do it before you go to college. Mm -hmm. And uh, he didn't. He didn't choose to do that. And I, I kind of wish he did. But I keep encouraging them to do things. Um, 
he came to me recently before the COVID thing hit. And he was like, my buddies are going to uh, Mardi Gras. Should I go? First thing, I didn't even think about it. Yes, go. Go. Uh, you know, it didn't work out because of uh, the COVID. But you know what? I, I never want them to not experience life. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And you've, you've had a lot of great experiences. So that's neat to be able to encourage your, your sons to do that too. Yeah. Cool. All right. So let's see. Where are we at? Where are we at? Well, here we are. All right. So let's talk about some traits that I believe true modern men um, hold right now. And some of these might resonate with you. Some of these might not. If another word resonates with you, that's cool. We'll go in that direction. But here's some of the things that I think. Leadership, honor, integrity, confidence, and compassion. Any of those things resonate with you? Oh, all of them. All yeah. of them, definitely. Definitely. Leadership's a big deal. You know, I have a team of people that depend on me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they make their livelihood on my decisions and uh, I have to keep things going. I always have to have new clients in the pipeline and keep things going and keep software development going and make sure we have a good product that people want and people enjoy using. So that's a big deal. And it all, it all rolls into one. Integrity is a huge part of that. You know, um, I want people to trust us. I want to be the people that they go to for their software needs, for their questions. Um, coming up with a new product, they want to know if we can help them with it. You know, they will, we want them to trust us. And that's just me in general. I want people to trust me. Um, it, 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 the whole trust issue and being honest is very big with me. Very big. Um, I have a separate side business doing home improvement stuff. Uh, it's local Long Island with a buddy of mine, Joey, and uh, we do it for people that need help. Well, uh, someone gets screwed by a contract that will go in there and fix the issue. Um, we just did a bathroom for somebody that got ripped off by another contractor. We went in there in one weekend, we got me, Joe, we got some, got an electrician friend, we got a plumber friend, then we finished the bathroom for them. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it's important for me. We do jobs for money as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it on the side to keep ourselves busy, make a little extra money and also to help others out, mm-hmm. you know, done some work for Habitat for Humanity. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So uh, it's good. It's nice. It's comfortable. Brings in a lot of cash. All right. So, so, so plug that company. What's the company called and what's the website? Uh, there's no website, but it's Mensch with a wrench. <laughs> good one. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Mensch with a wrench. All right. Any of you that are listening out on Long Island, if you need something done, get a hold of Steve Mensch with a wrench. You'll, you'll find him somehow. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Integrity, confidence, compassion. I know you're a very confident man because you're, you're very accomplished in what you do. And, you know, you, you said early on, I put a hundred percent into everything that I do. And I think that's, I think that's really important too. Cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I don't think you should do anything half, half assed, you know, yeah. you got to do it the right way or just don't do it at all. You know, you got to give it your all. And I, I think I've instilled that in my kids. They've succeeded very well, and they always give their 100%, 110%. So it, it's nice. It works. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. So what does chivalry mean to you? Oh, going back to honesty and treating people right, uh, whether it's women or men or anybody you deal with. You just mm-hmm. got to treat people the right way. Treat people the way you want to be treated. I think that's important. You know, if, if someone can't trust you, 
um, you know, what's the sense of doing anything with them? What's the sense of being friends with them or having a relationship with them? You know, it's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. it is. What, is what, what does style mean to you as a gentleman? Oh, I probably have a crazy style being, a, you know, on the motorcycle with my uh, jeans and T-shirt and leathers or uh, home improvement. <laughs> <laughs> Put on a, a button-up shirt and a nice outfit to go uh, sell software. Mm-hmm. I think I'm all over the board with that one. <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> I would imagine you are a very, a very eclectic <laughs> wardrobe, right? Exactly. <laughs> Depends what day you catch me, I guess. Yeah. Um, how do you, how, how do you, how, how do you dress when you go do shows? Like when you go over and do premiere and whatever, how do you, how do you dress? You know what? I, I, I haven't worn a suit for years to be honest. Good, good, um, good. I found a long time ago that the suit was off-putting, you know, especially yeah. designers. I was a designer and I'm working with designers I don't want to be the guy that they look at and say, that guy wants money from me. That guy's the sales guy. You know, I want to be friends with them. And they are. All my customers are my friends. Yeah. I call them. I talk to them like you. I know about your kids. I know about your family. I, you know, I know where you are. I mean, I know what city you're at at the moment, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I can keep up with me, man. Yeah. Where's Jeff at now? <laughs> where? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, you, you just want to be right with everybody. It, it, and I don't take lightly to people that wrong me. You know, you burn bridges with me once, maybe, but the second time, uh, I'll write you off. Yeah. Um, I don't want to do business with you. I don't want to be a friend. There's no yeah. reason for it. It takes too much energy. It does. Yeah. It does. It, it, it robs you of a lot. And I think, I, I think that goes back to the integrity thing, too, is, is, is being able to actually make that kind of a decision, I think has a lot to do with integrity too. It's like, Hey, look, I've, I've really tried with you, but you keep acting in this one particular way. That's not good. And I don't want to be around that kind of energy. So sayonara, right? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Agree. All right. How about health? How are you as a man who, are you a, are you a healthy man? Do you, uh, do you, do you think about that much? I do. I do. I try to watch what I eat. I don't exercise as much as I should, but I'm always moving and going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be out building a deck or I might be out riding and burning, you know, burning calories that way. But I try to watch what I eat. I try to make sure my kids, I cook five nights a week for my kids to make sure mm-hmm. we eat healthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's important. It's important for your brain, for your mind to keep yourself sane and uh, keep yourself in good physical condition. And not let yourself go. I, I think when you stop thinking about it is when you, you start slipping and uh, you just don't get healthy. You don't yeah. stay up. It's tough. You know, your health is a lot. I don't care how much money you have. If you don't have your health, uh, it's, it's terrible. I've seen it happen to a lot of people. No matter how much you got in the bank, it don't matter. You can't take it with you. So you got to take care of yourself while you're here. Yeah, that's true. And I've, I've been ringing a lot more lately about, about how staying in, about how staying healthy helps you think clear. It keeps you actually keeps your mind clear somehow or another, the whole mind body connection thing. A hundred percent. I try to get, you know, I try to be asleep by 10 o'clock at night, you know, mm-hmm. and I, some people don't understand it, but you know, if I leave somewhere I'm leaving cause I got to go get some rest cause I know what I got to do tomorrow. Right. So yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's definitely a focus of mine. On a daily yeah. basis. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And, you know, 
like you said a minute ago too, some people don't understand that. But you know, the ones who even if even if they might not understand it, the ones who are still tight with you and your friends, they're going to accept that and they know that about you. And there are probably gonna be less times where they're gonna to try to get you to do something because they know that it's just not part of your routine. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I've learned a long time ago it's better to have a small circle of people who got your back than know everybody around you. It's yeah. I'd rather I got I got 12 of the best friends I could ever have and they all ride and we do everything together. We're a family and they are, they are literally my family. Yeah. I know I can call on any one of them at any time of the night and say, I need you. And they'll just say, whose car are we taking? Right. Right. That's a brotherhood, man. Yeah. That's um, those, those are the kind of men who will parachute in to get you out of any mess you're in, no matter where you are. Right. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Many years ago, I had a bad motorcycle accident, and uh, they took care of me, and mm -hmm. they got me to the hospital, got me stitched up, and uh, it was good. Mm -hmm. it was really good. You know, you never think you got those people until you're there, and you have it, and you realize, look at these guys. Yeah. yeah. I've, had, um, I've, I've had some really good friends like that. My, Garrett was like that for me for a long time. Waskar. You know Waskar, too, right? Yeah. Waskar. Yeah, you know, Oscar. Um, yeah, I've, I've. There've been several men in my life who have, who have been like that for me. Jeff Sward, he's a guy that I can call anytime with, with anything. Uh, my, my, my former boss at Information Builders, Rado Kotorov, same kind of guy. I can call him with any of that. I've, I've actually started working with him now. The, uh, the GE thing came to an end. The whole COVID thing put an end to uh, GE uh, aviation. Okay. So I have joined uh, Rado's company recently and. We're, we're working through some cool stuff with that right now. Nice. Good luck with that. Thanks. Um, all right. So we're, we're, we're coming down towards the end here. There are just a couple more things that, that we'll get into. And I'm we'll enjoying this. It's great. It's, it's really good to talk to you like this. Uh, you too, man. You too. I've, 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 see, that's another one of the things about, that I miss about New York and, and forget COVID. But if I still had been living in New York, you and I probably would have had lunch at least 30 or 40 <laughs> 40 times by now in between all this, right? And I probably would have been out to Long Island to see you playing in one of those old dive bars somewhere. I, you know, who knows? But yeah, I get around. I, I, I'm, I'm the gypsy that everybody, that everybody loves. Wow, right. We, we expect it of you now. <laughs> exactly. I, I log into Facebook and I'm like, where's Jeff? Instead of like, where's Waldo, you know? Where's Jeff? Where's Jeff? What are you, you still living in that city? What do you mean? You should have moved by now. <laughs> <laughs> what are you sticking around so long for? All right. So <clears throat> let me ask you this then. If you were to mentor a younger man, what area do you think you would have the strongest influence in, in being a really solid mentor? Oh, definitely on how he dealt with people in the world. How he carried himself and how he worked with other people to make sure that there was respect and consideration and he always did the right thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. It's a big deal. You got to have respect for everybody. Okay. All right. So I'm this young dude and I know that you're a guy I can rely on for, for, for giving me some honest uh, opinions. And I come to you and I say, Steve, man, I'm trying to work with this guy and he's just, He's just arrogant and he won't listen to anything I say. And I know I've got some good ideas. What should I do with this guy? Well, just keep knocking on the door, giving him your ideas. If he don't accept it, that's his fault. He's obviously closed-minded and can't see where you're coming from. 
see your point of view. There's a lot of people out there that ask you your opinion and then do their own thing anyway. It happens all the time. And then uh, they may regret it. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But I get it a lot. I get it a lot in all the businesses and everything that I'm involved in where people come to you for advice. How would you do this? How would you do that? And you tell them straight up, this is what I would do. And it's not what they wanted to hear and they'll just do what they wanted to do anyway. You can't yes everybody to death. That's not a way to go through life. No, 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 absolutely not. Because you won't be happy either. No. So in an instance like that, do what you can. Make the guy happy if you were hired to do a job. Do the job the best way you can and then move on. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. That's good advice. Yeah. I, All know, right. I always tell my kids if they wake up in the morning and they're not happy going to work, it's time to look for another job. Yeah. And you got to be happy in life. Yeah, absolutely do. All right, man. So uh, this is the last question I ask every man before we close it out. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Ah, just enjoy life. Life is experiences. And if you're sitting home watching TV or playing video games, you're not enjoying life. Get out there and do things. Get some friends together and go somewhere. Pick a destination and just go there. Mm. Don't, don't take anybody's no for an answer. Mm. If something you want to do, just do it. And life is doing things. It's not sitting home. Don't, don't be regretful years from now. You know? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, that's it. Those regrets. And that, and that seems to be, you know, when you, you read things now where you've um, – um, you know, quotes from, from nurses or doctors or, or caregivers talking to people who are on their deathbed. And it's always, man, I wish I had done this. I wish I had done that. I regret that I didn't make that decision. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Too yeah. many years in life. I can get hit by a bus tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah, so. let's, hope, let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> All right, dude. So um, we've been talking for a while, but I swear it—I I swear it seems like you and I have been talking for like five minutes, and I could keep talking know, to you right? for like another couple hours. I'm like that went too quick. <laughs> <laughs> but this is going to be fantastic. I mean, you've—you've—you've you've dropped some phenomenal truth bombs on us here. You've—you've—you've you've, you've come from an open heart, which I knew you would. And that's what I really try to get in all these conversations. So I uh, just want to say thank you again for, for taking some time and talking to me tonight, man. I, I really appreciate it. And um, hopefully one of these days I'll, I'll get back to New York and we will be able to have another lunch together or a nice dinner somewhere or something, you know? Works for me. You let me know when I'm there. All right. Cool, man. Thanks very much, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate the time. All right. Thanks, bud. Bye-bye. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast. And remember that you can join us and get a free guide over at sagewarriorgentleman.com. We'd love to have you join our conversation and please help us spread the word if you feel this could help someone you know and care about.